0: The Beatles had this charm, John Paul and George and probably then Stewart and Pete had this charm when things weren't going well, which in their world wasn't very often because mostly it was an upward trajectory, but nonetheless, sometimes you know it would have a bad night or the gig would you know didn't work properly or the amps broke or whatever. I say, Where are we going, fellas? And they'd go, To the top, Johnny and I say, Where's that, fellas? And they
1: say, To the topmost of the papamost?" And I say, Right. And we'd all sort of cheer up. Now then, boys, where are we going? To the top, bro. Where's that? To the toppermost of the poppermost.
2: Hi, everybody. Welcome to toppermost of the poppermost. I'm Ed Chan. I'm Kid
3: O'Toole.
4: And I'm Martin So,
2: Over to the, uh, the U.S. charts. We're looking at the Billboard charts from March the 2nd, 1963. It starts out with Walk Like a Man from Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons. We've talked about Frankie Valley already, but we actually found some additional stories about them encountering Beatles.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is a fascinating story you found, Ed. Well, let's do this chronologically. Frankie Valley claims
2: that he was actually there in 65 when the Beatles were in Rome.
4: Yes. Yes, he does. Yeah.
2: So what Frankie Valley says is that he was able to find out where their hotel was and he wanted to call them up and see if he could come over and visit.
3: Yeah, so it turns out that the Beatles and Frankie Valley in the Four Seasons, you know, were big fans of each other. And so Frankie always wanted to meet them and so he called the hotel where the Beatles were staying and asked for John Lennon's room. And I love that John grabbed the phone when he was finally patched through and asked if, you know, is this really Frankie Valley? And then he said, yes, you know, it was. He said, I found out you guys were here, just wanted to say hi. And so uh, John said, fine, you know, come on up to the suite. And so all four of the Beatles were there, it turns out. And so Frankie said they spent about 90 minutes together just chatting and talking music, obviously, and they were saying that they were big fans of the Four Seasons and it was mutual. So that sounds like it was a really cool encounter.
2: And Frankie describes the gentleman who picked up the phone as their roadie. That had to have been Mal. Yeah,
3: had to have been.
2: So, uh, once again, calling Ken Womack. Yep. (laughs) We want this story in the book. Exactly. And then not Frankie Valley, but Bob Gaudio, of the Four Seasons, describes a dinner he had with John Lennon during The Lost Weekend.
3: This ought to be good.
2: Yes. <laughs> so John Lennon was talking to Bob Gaudio, and he mentioned that he liked the record with the newspaper cover. Now, of course, he did the same thing with Sometime in New York City, but he wasn't talking about his own record.
4: No, indeed. He was speaking about an album from 1969 by The Four Seasons, and it was called The Genuine Imitation Life Gazette. And if you look at the album cover, it's very similar to the album cover to Sometime in New York City.
2: And as we must remember, it's not Sometime in New York City, it is "some time in New
3: York City. It's not one word, it's two. Of course. Some some people take that very seriously. I always forget that, too, actually. I always say, sometime in New York City.
4: (laughs) Some time in New York City. (laughs) But yes, John was a big fan of this psychedelic concept album that they'd released in 1969.
2: Well, I wonder, would he play that, followed by Thick as a Brick, followed by Some Time in New York City, huh? It's the all-newspaper cover collection.
4: If anyone else knows of any album covers that have newspapers on the front cover, then please get in touch.
2: (laughs) But anyway, he said, that's one of my favorite albums. And to hear something like that from John Lennon, to know that he played it and listened to it a few times, that itself was worth the journey.
1: Chameleons changing colors. While a crocodile cries People rubbing elbows But never touching eyes Taking on
2: all right at number 10 was what will my mary say by johnny mathis i must be going go. my heart is
1: showing i have bear-
2: Again, one of those very croony songs. Mentioning it because Paul, Ringo, and Johnny Mathis were presenters at the 1966 Melody Maker Awards. We couldn't find any other connection, but there you go.
3: The song is kind of unintentionally amusing. (laughs) Listen to it. But what's even more amusing is. Here is this song about the narrator trying to break off an affair he's having. And the woman saying, please don't go, please don't go. And he's you know, saying, no, I need to go back to girlfriend, wife, whatever. And among the people who have covered the song subsequently is Lawrence Welk. Really? <laughs> Lawrence Welk? Isn't that all risque for uh, for Lawrence Welk? Oh, Interesting.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, it's the Lawrence Welk Show, celebrating more than 60 years on television.
3: (laughs) And, And he released his version the same year. (laughs) I just had to throw that in Because I just thought That's fascinating That is
2: fascinating (laughs) Even though the the Beatles connection Is pretty tenuous here (laughs) Yes Alright There is a connection So we'll include it
3: Alright There you go (laughs) Okay At
2: number 18 A song which has Many more Beatle ties Send Me Some Lovin' By Sam Cooke We've talked just a little bit About it But both John and Paul Would do covers of it
1: Send me some lovin' Johnny Carson,
2: Carson show. You know, on the rock and roll album and then on the Russian album. Yep, yep. Both good versions, yep. Arguably better than the Sam Cooke version.
3: Yeah, and I love Sam Cooke. Who doesn't? You know, one of the best voices ever. I didn't feel this was one of his best performances, but... The um, song
2: is good. Yeah,
3: the song is good. I wasn't as crazy about this one as some of the others, but I think probably, yeah, the subsequent... Versions. Well, and then of course, Little Richard originally re- recorded this, I believe.
1: Send me some loving.
3: This was originally recorded by Little Richard.
2: At number 20, In Dreams, Roy Orbison, a big song from a big man. We've we've often expressed our love for Roy Orbison, and Roy Orbison, the, the number of Beatles connections are too many to count. But it's, uh, there's a quote from him about this song in particular, which I find kind of interesting. Roy Orbison claimed in interviews that the lyrics for this song came to him in a dream. He wrote the music once he woke up. Typical of many Orbison songs, It's a heartbreaker. Asleep at night is the only time he can be with the one he loves. As when he wakes up, she's gone. The song never repeats a section. In two minutes and 48 seconds, it goes through seven movements with distinct melodies and chord progressions. Does that sound like somebody else we know?
4: I think I need to sleep more.
2: (laughs) There's that. And Roy Orbison didn't go around saying, you know, I dreamed that song in a dream. Yeah.
3: I never thought of in dreams that way, but
2: wow. And when you listen to it, you really listen to it. You, you can see it is almost like one of those, you know, McCartney, let's piece together a bunch of stuff right. and make it work. That's true. You wouldn't think that they would fit together. And there's, there are, you know, seven little sections of melody.
3: Mm-hmm. Wow. And there it is. Now we know how Paul was inspired. Well, I I don't know whether that came up
2: on the bus or not. No,
3: maybe not on the bus, but hearing some of Roy's songs may have inspired him, consciously or unconsciously. All right, at number 24, The Night Has
2: a Thousand Eyes by Bobby V. As I was mentioning to Kit, how did Bobby V stick around as long as he did? (laughs) He had a number of hits. I'm not quite sure where the staying power came from. I didn't think he was that original or that inventive. And even really catchy. In isolation, I guess they're catchy, but collectively,
3: Peep eh. Pete, definitely had a number of pop hits
2: back in the day. Uh, one of which was the Goffin' and King song, Take Good Care of My Baby, which uh, the Beatles did on the BBC. Love the
4: Beatles version.
2: Me too. And then, well, a year later, Bobby V and the Eligibles, the Eligibles consisting of Sonny Curtis from the Crickets and several others, would record a song called She's Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Guess what they were trying to do. (laughs) I
1: I can't can't imagine.
3: imagine
1: (laughs) She's sorry.
2: The album was Bobby V. Sings the New Sound from England. There you go. The other one, which was uh, his attempt to try and do something, was a song called I'll Make You Mine. As we've been saying, they're not bad songs. They're just, well, all
4: right, we can see what you're trying to do.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
4: There's a bandwagon there, and he's getting on it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but Night Has a Thousand Eyes. It's, I like the tune. Yeah. Uh, Bobby V. Sings it good enough. I mean, it's not a great vocal performance, but it works.
3: That is a good pop song. I do like it.
2: At number 36 was Days of Wine and Roses by Henry Mancini.
0: One of the composers that John and I admire very much is Henry Mancini, known better to his friends as Hank. Ready, Henry? Ready, John.
2: Uh, Thank you, Hank, sir. Hank, as his friends called them, called him according to John and Paul from the music of Lennon and McCartney.
3: Mm. Yeah. And of course, I mean, what can you say about Henry Mancini? I mean, the legendary composer. And this was, it is a beautiful song, you know, from a heartbreaking film. And yeah, you know, I like Andy Williams. I'm not a hardcore fan, but he does sing this beautifully. And, and if you know about the film and, and all, I mean, it captures the story extremely well. So it's a classic, no doubt about it.
2: And then, Beatle-wise, Mancini was responsible for the Peter Gunn theme, which, well, we've discussed a little bit. I mean, that was a favorite of George's, and it was a favorite of Paul's, and whenever they could kind of do that little thing on the guitar, they would.
3: Yeah, that version of I Saw Her Standing There, when they would sneak it in there, I love that. At number 51 was Laughing Boy by
2: Mary
4: Wells. Yep, a favorite of the boys, yep.
3: Yep, big favorite of theirs, and she was the first lady of Motown before she left, and then, of course, Dinah Ross would take over that title, and uh, this was uh, written and produced by Smokey. And interestingly, Motown was convinced that this was going to be a major hit for her, and it really only reached number 15, which, you know, it's still... That's good enough. That's you know. good enough, but I guess they were very disappointed. You know, they thought this was going to be like a monster number one hit let Surprised that Motown thought this was going to be a monster hit. And I love Smokey Robinson, but I don't know. I don't think this is one of his best compositions for her. I mean, I'm sorry, this is no My Guy. And that's interesting, but not really one of my favorites of Mary Wells or of his songwriting catalog.
2: All right. Number 66, That's All by Rick Ricky Nelson. We've discussed Rick Nelson plenty here. Yes. <laughs>
1: i can only give you love that lasts forever and the promise to be near each time you call and the only heart i own
2: for you and you alone that's all this is a nice tune
3: and it's really a standard it's a great american songbook standard it dates from 1952. Nat King Cole introduced it, and it's a beautiful song. And it's a decent cover. You know, he kept it simple. I
4: can only give you country walks in springtime And a hand to hold when leaves begin to fall And a love whose burning light Will warm the winter night that's
2: all. And at number 70 was Baby, 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 the Sam Cooke B side, which we talked about last month. Yep. All right, moving on to the next week. Number 77 on the week of March 9th. You Don't Love Me Anymore. And I Can Tell Another One by uh, Rick Nelson. It's like, this one I'm not as big a fan
3: of. No, it's very country.
2: The
1: kisses that you used to give are the sweet sweet kisses i relive you don't love me anymore and i can tell i can tell
3: more of a countryside of rick nelson that yeah it's not one of his all-time best
2: that's for sure At number 81 was Baby Workout by Jackie Wilson. You gotta love Jackie Wilson.
3: Yeah, you've gotta love Jackie Wilson, and I love this song. One of his best. If you can sit still while listening to this song, you've got no soul. You know, somebody needs to check your pulse. <laughs> I mean, what a performer, what a singer, incredible.
2: The Beatle link here is Jackie Wilson had recorded Lonely Teardrops, which was a Beatle favorite, but most notably, Lonely Teardrops led to the Isley brothers writing Shout. And well, the Beatles would cover Shout. Oh.
3: Jackie Wilson, Mr. Excitement. What an entertainer. He was just legend.
4: Pull the cord and let him go.
3: That's right. (laughs) Pretty much. Oh.
2: (laughs) And then at number 91 was Pat Boone's cover of Meditation. We've already discussed the original. I just find it kind of odd slash funny that here's Pat Boone doing this Bossa Nova song. It's like, all right, (laughs) with the title Meditation. Yep. None of which are things I would associate with Pat Booth.
3: <laughs> my
1: loneliness When you're gone and I'm all by myself And I need your caress I just think of you And the thought of you holding me near Makes the soon disappear oh, you're away. I have only to close my eyes and you
3: are back to stay. obviously Papoon doesn't have a bad voice or anything but Frank Sinatra could more convincingly cover Brazilian music it's just not convincing
1: I had no time for tears. Life was too good. I had the brightest smile in
2: town. Oh, yeah. Ray Charles and his orchestra were at number five with the brightest smile in town. We move on to the next week, a song which we have to talk about at number 63 on the week of March 16th. Dean with the song called Linda.
4: Linda. And who
3: is Linda, you may ask?
4: (laughs) So the writer of the song Jack Lawrence was a close friend of the attorney Lee Eastman. Lee Eastman is the father of Linda Eastman, who would eventually become Linda McCartney. And he asked for Jack Lawrence to write a song with his daughter's name in it. And this is that song.
2: The rest of that story was that apparently they didn't feel there were enough songs with Linda in it. And Linda felt a little bit left out. Now you know why Paul went around singing Mary Had a Little Lamb. (laughs) You know, those scars stayed with Linda into adulthood. (laughs) Lee Eastman said, I want my daughter's name in a song, a hit song. Although Jack Lawrence was still at the end of his military term at the time, I believe. He wrote it, and uh, it actually more or less worked out.
3: Yeah, and it's a very interesting song. You know, it almost has like a doo quality to it. Well, this is the Jan and Dean version. Yeah, the Jan and Dean version, yes. And lots of people
2: have done this song. Sinatra done this song.
3: Mm-hmm. And of course, since it's Jan and Dean, it's also, you know, very Beach la, Boys-ish. La, 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 Linda. <laughs> very good, Ed.
4: Oh, thank you. <laughs> That's being capped.
2: Well, I I, I have to give Martin something to cap every week, (laughs) every month.
3: (laughs) Nice rendition.
2: (laughs) Just just, just a little bit. (laughs) Yep. You do it with me. We'll do it at the next fest. There you go.
3: All right.
2: We'll we'll get in the talent contest. We can do that.
3: I love it.
4: I can't find anything to prove it, but I'm wondering if their friend, Brian Wilson, was involved with this as well.
3: I I don't know. Possibly. It's possible. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question.
4: Because he used to work with them a lot, and they used to work with him a lot, didn't they? There was a lot of back and forth between them.
3: Could be. I'm not sure.
4: I can't find anything to say yes or no to that.
3: Yeah.
1: The loving i
2: Now, the kind of amazing thing about this song is, uh, you know, Jack Lawrence went around to try and get published and nobody wanted it. They thought the name Linda wasn't an attractive name.
3: Yeah, ouch.
2: <laughs> wow. Ooh. Although it's funny, whether it's because of this song or whether it was just the name came back into fashion. Linda McCartney, Linda Eastman, would be amongst a whole batch of Lindas. Yeah. You know, by the 60s, Linda would become amongst the most popular names for girls here in the States.
3: Yeah, right. In that.
2: the 40s, I guess World War II time, that wasn't the case. And the publishers were saying, change the name. It's a good song. <laughs> crazy. Linda has a name ranked in the top three for 16 years from 1944 to 1960, and was number one for six years running from 1947 to 1952. A a completely different kind of charts here.
4: Right.
3: Interesting. Wow. Uh, Was that successful?
4: Have we we got a a spin-off of Top of Most of the Popper Most coming, where it's going to be Top of Most of the Popper Most names?
2: (laughs) I don't think so, but... (laughs) Hey, it's a no, n- Nonetheless, it is a good song, and it is done in a bunch of different styles. I like the Dan and Dean version. It's
3: fun. It's
2: cute. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing deep about it. You know, I wonder why Paul never
4: recorded it.
3: Yeah, that is true. That is interesting. And,
2: and maybe he did. Maybe, maybe it's one of those things that just sort of buried in his private.
4: Yeah, it's stuck in that box with the Christmas album. Mm. Exactly.
2: Yeah, there you go. If only she'd smile, I'd stop her a while And then I would get to know Linda
1: But miracles still happen And when my lucky star begins to shine With one lucky break, I'll make Linda mine
2: Moving on from there, at number 86 was yet another different Rick Nelson song, I Got a Woman, again, a cover. I got a
1: woman way over time
2: he really was on the charts a lot not necessarily big hits but he certainly had some of those as well but kind of everything he released got at least some airplay
3: he had a successful career you know in a long career you know from the 50s uh through all well, of course the 70s 72 with garden party so absolutely he was a long presence on the charts Okay, at number 88 was Rolf Harris with Sun Arise,
2: which we mention only because, gee, it hit the American charts as well. Yes,
3: it did. Yeah, and we talked about that song. Very interesting song, and it's just a very unusual song to have had success on both charts, in U.K. and U.S. Then at number 90 was Days of Wine and Roses
2: by Andy Williams. The day
1: child at play Through a metal hand Toward a closing
2: door A door marked nevermore You wouldn't necessarily think there was a big Beatle connection to Andy Williams, but there really was.
3: Yeah, very interesting.
2: Back before it was Get Back, the Beatles were actually considering doing a live show. Alternatively, we've heard the Roundhouse uh, mention, we've heard that they were looking at a couple of different venues in London. And well, amongst those stories, including several mentions in the Beatles Monthly, was that Paul had ran into Andy Williams and invited him to come on to
3: their show
4: (laughs) yep and andy actually came to london to discuss it
3: that would have been interesting not that bizarre i guess but you
2: know what are we talking about we're talking about the beatles doing a wide album based show in december of 1968 and then
3: in the middle of it hey here's our good friend andy williams but come on, who wouldn't want to hear Andy do long, long, long? I mean, come on. <laughs> oh, there
4: you go. <laughs> there, there's Hands the money. Up. That's the money there. <laughs> and
2: then during Get Back, Michael Lindsey Hogg watched the Andy Williams special. It was first run to British audiences in January of 1969, but it had aired in the States in April of 1968. And this may be where this talk at all began. We got a little newspaper clip. Andy Williams is taping an hour-long special for U.S. screening on March 19th. And according to the singer's manager, Alan Bernard, the Beatles and Donovan will guest in it. (laughs) An Apple spokesman agreed that discussions took place during Williams' pre-Christmas visit to London. But added that no definite decision had yet been reached. So the Beatles were either coming to America to be on Andy Williams' special, which, well, did get made, or Andy was coming over you. Paul was going to have him no matter what.
3: (laughs) Oh, just a shame this didn't happen.
1: (laughs) Oh, well, well. Thank you, Mother. Thank you. Hello, I'm John. I used to play with my partner, Paul. I'm, uh, I'm Paul. I used to play with my partner, Art.
2: <laughs> I'm Andy. I used to play with my partner, Claudine. <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh,
4: oh, oh. Oh, my <laughs> uh,
1: this
2: partner of yours, did you two do anything creative? Um, creative.
4: Creative, Michael? Well, I guess you could say we came up with three hits. Oh, that's very good. Yeah. Nice
2: at number 100 on the week of March 16th Nothing Goes Up Without Coming Down by Nat King Cole I can't stop you So go your way If that
1: makes you happy I've nothing to say But nothing goes up No, nothing goes
3: Very interesting track for Nat, because it was more on the soul side than his usual jazz fair. You know, you could picture someone like Jerry Butler, you know, singing this. I mean, it was uh, just very different sound than you would usually picture for Nat King Cole.
2: So we move on to the week of the 23rd. At number 74 was uh, Surfing USA by the Beach Boys, you know, one of their big hits. Mm.
3: Classic. Yeah. Absolute classic.
2: But there's a great story which goes along with that as well.
1: Looky here! Oh. <laughs>
0: Styles. Hey, surf's up?
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, surf
0: is
3: definitely up.
0: Well, let's go pick up Lewis, okay? What?
3: Styles, come on, what is it with Lewis? He's avoiding me, right?
0: He's scaring me. Look, man, we got some fine new wheels, we got some good tunes, and a total disregard for public safety.
2: <sighs> You're right. Okay, let's go. All right, all right, what's up? Wait a minute.
0: These waves are mine.
2: We'll all be
1: planning out a room. We're gonna take real soon. We're waxing down our we
2: can- Danny Harrison, years later, will be watching the film Teen Wolf. And he fell in love with Surfing USA.
3: <laughs> I remember that movie well. I used to love that movie too.
2: And so, because of that, uh, Olivia went and found a copy for him. But George wasn't happy with that. <laughs> you know, George says, "Well, well, you like that? Well, here, listen to this. This is where they got it from." And he played him Chuck Berry. <laughs>
4: I love that story. Incidental here, th- this song "Surfing USA" by the Beach Boys, going back to something from earlier. This has actually got Jan and Dean on the in the background singing with the Beach Boys.
3: Oh, really?
2: Well, there you go. More connections. Okay, at number eighty-two was uh, "On Broadway" by the Drifters. Not just Lieber and Stoller, but Man and Wheel, and we've discussed them. You know, Brill Building a cubicle next to Goffin and King.
3: And there's another connection, kind of tenuous, but the original version of On Broadway, which was Man and Will, when they wrote their version of it before, they then gave it to Lever and Stoller, who then rewrote it for the Drifters. When Will and Man wrote it originally, they gave it to the Cookies.
2: Really? Right. So... Again, there you go. Connections upon connections.
3: Exactly.
2: And Phil Spector was apprenticing under Lieber and Stuller at that time. Mm-hmm. And he played the guitar solo on the Drifters version of on Broadway.
3: There you go. The connections are endless.
2: <laughs> and Man and Wheel also wrote uh, Where Have You Been All My Life, which is a great song that the Beatles do in the Star Club sessions.
3: Indeed, originally yeah. recorded by Arthur
2: Alexander, Arthur Alexander. Yeah,
4: there you go. One of our faves. And covered by Jerry and the Pacemakers. Hey. Well, there you oh. go. It, it, it,
2: it all comes together. Oh my God. Can you stand it? <laughs> okay, at number 83 was the Marvelettes with Locking Up My Heart.
3: Now, this is a fascinating record because it was the first charting single that was written and produced by the dynamic team Holland-Dozier-Holland.
4: Right.
3: As we all know, an extremely important team uh, wrote many of the Supremes' biggest hits. I mean, they were basically responsible for rescuing the Supremes from being kicked off the label because they were having such a hard time getting a hit. And we all know they wrote some of the most memorable songs off of uh, Motown. I like this song. I think it's really catchy. First charting single from them. At number 86, Foolish Little Girl by The Shirelles. The Shirelles, of course, known best for Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow. This is not on the level of that song. I mean, it's it's okay. It's a little cutesy for me, just not to my taste. But the Shirelles perform it extremely well. I mean, it's just kind of a classic girl group kind of sound of that time.
2: Yeah. Uh number seven, This Empty Place by Dion Warwick. So, you know, here at the bottom of the charts, we're getting a lot of the artists which we've talked about, the female artists in particular, that the, the Beatles would admire heavily.
3: Mm, absolutely. And of course, we should note this uh, the song was written by uh, Burt Backrock and Hal David. Burt Backrock, we just lost recently. RIP, yep. brilliant, brilliant composer. This is not, I think, one of their best compositions, although it's kind of interesting lyrically playing around with all the, about this empty place, using it both metaphorically and literally hard to sing. I mean, once again, it just shows how vocally Dionne Warwick, I mean, she could sing a backrack and David song like nobody else. I mean, there are some notes she has to hit this song. That are, I mean, wow. It's
2: kind of one of those songs lyrically that was going around, you know, uh, in my room and there's a place for yes. both very similar lyrically. Very good point.
4: It, it sort of shows how the two of them as songwriters worked though, doesn't it? Because you know, Hal David sometimes gets lost in the history of these songs in in a sense, but his wordplay mm-hmm. is like no other and so you've got the genius of his wordplay but also the incredible genius of Burt with the the music that he writes for these songs. I mean, th- there's a reason why, many years later, somebody like, you know, like Scylla Black, when she would come to do the song Alfie, that she would demand that Bert Bacharach come over and do the arrangement for that, it's because there is nobody else that does arrangements like Bacharach.
2: A decision she would regret because we we have uh, actually video footage of that session and Scylla would be very, very, I just can't do it one more time.
4: <laughs> he got a really good performance from her out of it, though.
2: He did. As George Martin notes, you know, he was sitting there next to him and they were up to like take 18, take 19, take 20. And the statement in the room was, I just haven't heard the magic. George Martin turns to him and says, the magic's on take four, and that's the one they released. <laughs> right.
3: But Martin, you're absolutely right. I mean, Dave and Backrack complemented each other perfectly. And you're absolutely right. Backrock could just get those performances out of singers yep. like nobody else could. And yeah, you probably singers wanted to kill him at times.
4: Thinking about it, I can see why Bert would be drawn to work in decades later with Elvis Costello. And how they Mm -hmm. would work together, because in in a weird sort of way, Costello has that uh, wordplay sort of, uh, he he likes the wordplay as well, which would match with Bacharach's music as well.
3: I think you're right. Yeah, they would compliment each other. Yeah, that album they did together is fabulous. I know that has nothing to do with the Beatles, but but it is. <laughs> well, memory. Any,
2: anything Elvis Costello has a little bit to do with the That's Beatles. True. Yeah, That's really true. That's <laughs> true. Uh, all right. Uh, at number 100 was Two Wrongs Don't Make a Right by Mary Wells. I mean, you know, we've talked about Mary Wells. I didn't think we need to say any more. This song is another one, which is okay.
1: I took your love.
3: one I like better than Laughing Boy. I think this one, it's nice uh, bluesy-style ballad, uh, co-written by Barry Gordy and Smokey Robinson. It was the B-side to Laughing Boy, in fact. I actually like this one better than Laughing Boy. And, oh, and it was uh, originally recorded by a gentleman we also just lost recently, Barrett Strong.
2: Alright, uh, so for the last week in March on the Billboard Charts, uh, March 30th, at number one, He's so fine by the chiffons. We we've already discussed George and the lawsuit, but here it is at the top of the charts.
3: Wow! My goodness. Yep. We we all know the connections, and, but it's a you know it's a great. this classic. Classic. It's, 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 or, a, it's a good song. Yeah. But, uh,
2: all right. Then jumping down to number seventy-five, we got Bobby V again
4: with charms. He's back. <laughs> Pretty charms, pretty little
2: charms, see how they sparkle in the sun. Another one which is not all that memorable.
3: No, I, I'm not insane about it. It's a pop song.
2: At number 77, A Love She Can Count On by The Miracles. Smokey, you know. Smoky. old Smokey. Yeah. And
3: I, I like this one, actually. He, he, he can do no wrong. Exactly. Um, so. He's Smokey. What can you say?
4: It's a lovely laid back song, this.
3: Yes, I agree.
2: at number 92 uh, another gentleman who could do no wrong Benny King with how can i forget
3: boy and this is just a good old fashioned get down on your knees and beg and cry i mean his his vocals on this are just you can just hear the tears and the, the pain and i mean it's just what a what a vo- voice he had you know much missed
1: and kisses still lingers on my lips and my- I her since she's been gone, I can't sleep at night. And since she's been gone, I can't eat Oh, so tell the How can
2: I And then finally, at number ninety eight, we had. The Appalachians doing "Bony Maroney, a song that
3: John Lennon loved a lot. This was very interesting. <laughs> it's fascinating, you know this this all acoustic version. You know, you wouldn't hear think of Bony Maroney being done in this this manner.
2: Um, well, and and charting even. I mean, you know, it's a it's a really good version, but it doesn't sound like either what you would expect or even really a
3: pop song. No. Not at all. And I was trying to find information on the Appalachians and and really didn't get very far. Uh, Did you guys find? I
2: didn't find anything much at all. No.
3: So, uh, yeah, if any listeners out there know anything about the Appalachians, I'm very curious. All right.
2: So that is March of 1963. Please Bees Me has had its run, although it's still hanging out in the top ten. The Beatles are getting ready to release their next single. How Do You Do It is just about to reach its apex at, as we mentioned, number one. There's no question about that one. So we will rejoin you next month as we move on into April of
4: 1963. Talk to you soon. Bye. Bye.
0: There was a piece in the NME, a news piece that said the top rank records. Remember when top rank had a record label? Yeah, they introduced an LP series next week that will be called Toppermost. And it's coinciding with their current advertising slogan, Toppermost of the Poppermost. Yes, I thought, they got it from somewhere. They saw that. They must have seen that in either the NME or Record Mirror or Disc, Record and Show Mirror as it was then. And they've taken it from there. They've obviously thought, how stupid that is. How stupid is It's one of those phrases that someone, an older person who doesn't understand teenagers, comes up with a slogan that they think is going to be the hip slogan of the month. Toppermost of the poppermost.